I want you to open your Bibles today. Let's go over to the Old Testament book called Joel, a small prophetic book that's going to be part of where we look today. Joel chapter 2. And once you find that, go to the New Testament, about halfway over, and the second Timothy will be there in chapter 3. Joel chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want you to pray for, as you're turning, I, I want you to pray for our family, uh, my wife's baby sister, uh, the youngest of five girls, uh, day before yesterday, uh, with this COVID, we lost our brother-in-law, the, the baby girl. She's been here a lot. Her name's Terry. He has uh, been here several times as they visit. Uh, I, Carrie, sorry, did I? It's Terry and Carrie. <laughs> uh, Carrie, if you're a fan of the gospel, Southern gospel music, you'd know Carrie. Uh, for 10, 11 years, I don't, I don't know exactly. He played bass guitar for the singing Henson family. Back in the quartet days, even with the, uh, uh, what do you call the family? Uh, 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 the, the lady uh, sing and the husband. Sam Goodmans, the singing Goodmans. I remember them. The Blackwoods and all that sort of thing. He played professionally for all that. Played in the Dallas... Uh, symphony. I just, what a, what a musician this young man was and uh, loved him dearly. We'll be uh, having a service in Dallas next weekend for him and just pray for this family. How many of you are glad there's a heaven to go to? <laughs> I want you to turn to someone before we start the message this morning and say, you look awesome. <laughs> Some of you, that may be the only comment compliment you get today. Just wanted it to come from the church, that's all. I walk to the pulpit this morning with so much, so much, to, to be honest with you, so much emotion. With such um, uh, turmoil in my heart as a pastor. I am upset to say the least uh, to see what is happening to our nation. I, if you pardon me, I will restrain uh, my response emotionally if I can, but I am very, very upset. And we need revival, don't we? We need revival. Father, walk with us the next few moments. Not only in this sanctuary, but across this land and foreign lands online. Father, may you anoint us to speak and to hear. And I ask you, God, to give us, Lord, a sense of urgency. And Father, I pray you be glorified in it. And God, I pray that we would respond Lord, may you break through the callousness of our world. And I ask your word, Lord, to be sent forth. You have promised that it would be sent, it would heal them, and it would not return void. To that end, Lord, today we speak. From a burden of my heart and in your word, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. I feel compelled to remind us and to stir our attention today in this late hour about 
the spiritual perspective that we must have as we view and witness the activities of this late hour. Ladies and gentlemen, there, there are times that are unusual, but we live in unusual days. Can I say unprecedented times? All across this globe, I think that in the heart, soul, mind of the human being is a sense that something is stirring, something must happen. We know that we are headed to some kind of cataclysmic or at least a major change on planet Earth. Something is moving in the spirit world. For the Christian believer, knowing what scripture has to say about the time in which we live, it helps me to say emphatically that I know, and it helps me contend or deal with, and it helps me comprehend what's happening as I see it from a biblical worldview. And ladies and gentlemen, today is a day to have a biblical worldview. But it, it helps me to know, and it helps me keep the faith in the one true eternal God. Let every man be a liar, but let God's word be truth. There is now a constant stream of prophetic news all over the television, all over the internet. It is inundating society. From dozens of religions come these prognosticators and prophets. Perhaps some of them are called and anointed of God. This much I know. Some are self-proclaimed and some are false teachers of which the scripture said in the last day there would be many. These prophecies that are running across this globe are stirring action among followers, whatever religion or sect or creed or occult they follow. It's stirring groups and it's even stirring governments. I want to tell you today, ladies and gentlemen, the world is looking for answers and I want to tell you, the governments do not have the answers. We're in a quagmire that's almost unbelievable. So I want to say I look to God's word for answers. So I want to give us some scripture and I trust you'll take it in a sense of a of wholeness. What I mean by that is I'm going to read in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and I want to place these together, not to do any kind of an injustice to the Word of God. But look with me, if you will, in Joel chapter 2. Here is a prophetic word from a God called prophet. And God speaks to him, and he says, and it shall come to pass afterward, and some... Uh, translations say in the last days. Let me just give us a quick word. Christ came as he was promised. Once he was resurrected, we know that from the time he came to his birth till the time he ascended, those times were a ministry time. But I want you to know from the time he arrived as a child till the time he returns is called the day of the Lord and it's called the last days. These last two days of which is approximately a thousand years. Uh, if we look at it in the sense of scripture, I just want you to know that the last days is in reference to the time Christ appeared here and when he will appear again. Okay. So in the last days, in those, in that time period, I will pour out my spirit 
on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour my spirit out in those days. I want to share with you some of what that means. I know there are, there are many different concepts of that, but I will tell you this much. God is saying in the last days, heretofore in the Old Testament and the covenants that came, God used specialized, called, anointed people. He used prophets. He used priests. He used kings. And those people would follow God and lead that nation. God would give prophecies through those prophets. God would give prophecies through those teachers. But it was given to give to humanity through those people. And now in the new covenant, once Christ has gone, he said these words, before you go out and witness, you tarry and be endued from power on high. But this endowment of the power, he says this, and this is the prophecy of Joel. I will no longer just put this on one or two or 10 or specialized people. If you come to God and you know about me, I will put my spirit in you and every one of you will know a conscience and know the spirit of God. And every one of you will be guided by the spirit. I want to tell you something. If you're in the kingdom today, you have the spirit of God in you. And I'm Pentecostal. I understand the, the, the different measure of that. But I just want you to understand, there are a lot of people today who are not Pentecostal. Believe you me, they have the Spirit of God and they're doing great works for the Lord. I love the assemblies of God, but God's a lot bigger than us. <laughs> How many of you still love me? It's true. Wow. This is important words. Look, here's a revival in the last days. Let's go to Timothy. Chapter, 2 Timothy chapter Three, verse one. Listen to a description and see if you don't think we're not witnessing. Paul writes to his preacher son Timothy, and he says these words in the last days. But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, I've never seen such arrogance and humanity as I have the last 20 years. Proud, blasphemers, no fear of God, disobedient to parents, unthankful. How many of you know we're in a generation that they think the world owes them everything? Unthankful, unholy, purposely unloving, unforgiving, slanderers. Talk about a brother or sister or a fellow human being in such bitterness and evil, it is a shame. Without self-control, do we not witness that every day? Brutal. I don't have to explain that. Despisers of good. You and I, if we raise the banner of Christ in our life, we are, we are, we are considered the problem even in our society in this nation. Traitors. Who can you trust today? <laughs> Headstrong. Maybe I just should glide right over that. 
haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. We worship sports and pleasures today in this country. Having a form of godliness, being religious, oh, I believe in God, I believe in the Bible. Can I say so does the devil? But he's certainly not saved. Having a form of godliness but denying it, but denying its power. Let me tell you how to do that. They say, I worship, I love, I do all this, but their lifestyle totally goes opposite. They deny the power of it because it hasn't had the power upon its life that God's word expects. And watch this. And he says, and from such people turn away. Let us not misunderstand the scripture. This is not by allowing by, by shutting down our witness. It is not pulling ourselves aside and not mixing with this world at all, for we have an assignment to talk to them. It means that we are so full of the Spirit of God and we have a discipline of God in our life that as we witness, we are not affected by that lifestyle. Let's be sure we know the Scripture. Amen? Wow, Pastor, a great revival, a great pouring out of the Spirit and then a great falling away. It, it's, it's difficult. I want to talk to you today about this. What's happening to our world? What is happening to our world? It seems like these two scriptures contradict each other. It seems that one outpouring of the Spirit, a revival, and the other a rejection of God and decaying morality of falling away. And so I have to ask the question, is there a mistake in the Word of God for both of these will be, have been taught to be in the last days? So which is correct? Let me share with you, and I will assure you there is no mistake in the Word of God. The truth is the situation is ironic. Just before Christ returns, just before that, this outpouring and this apocalypse and things that we see will rise at the same time. And I declare to you, we experience that presently. But understand, there is more to it than evil on every hand and an outpouring of the Spirit. I want to declare to you today, especially to those of you online who do not know the Scripture or you're not familiar, the world is a set stage. It is a battleground of the spirit world. What we are seeing today is the mixing of nature and the sin curse, and yet the spirit world that is also embattled. To understand it, I want to give us some background. I, I want us to understand the Word of God. Let me start even before the earth. Before life on earth, in heaven, Lucifer brought sin into existence. If we were to ask the average person where does sin begin, as far as earth, it is true in the Garden of Eden, Adam, Adam and Eden, Adam and Eve. But that's not where sin began. Sin began in the heart of Satan. When it changed, it's called iniquity in the scripture. I'm gonna read to you how it happened. Isaiah chapter 14, this is the word of God. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? 
He was among the most beautiful archangels we know about in heaven. And he says, you are fallen. You, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest sides of the north. That's where God's kingdom is. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And God concludes it and says, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, which is an old word for hell to the lowest depths of the pit, the bottomless pit in the New Testament. Ladies and gentlemen, that sets the stage. Years ago, I came across a definition of sin. Many years ago, I do not know who wrote it or I would give them credit. But I believe it describes, I will just tell you, this is over 42 or 3 years old. I don't know who wrote it, but listen to it, a man that knew what was coming. A definition of sin. I read it, 40-something years old. Sin is a psychological attitude that wishes God were dead. That wishes there were no restraints. Wishes that there were no guidelines that wish that there absolutely are no rules. It is an attitude that wants to do its own thing. Wants to create a lifestyle that's devoid of controls. Devoid of all restraints. Devoid of all restrictions. An attitude where man is God and he does whatever he gets good and ready to do. Young people, mom and dad, the I will of Satan, I will, I will, I will, I will. He brought it with him when he was cast to the earth. And that I will concept rules the hearts and minds of millions today just like it did then. Amen. Now Satan was banished to the earth. Then God made man. And I want to declare to you, waiting in the Garden of Eden, hiding, dedicating himself to ruin their hearts and souls in eternity and to ruin yours and mine was that fallen Satan who sold the same bill of goods that cost him eternity, the same bill of goods to every generation. I will. Satan's offer. Satan took the same rebellion he had, gave it to Adam and Eve. He said these words in essence. Read it in Genesis. God is withholding from you. Look at all these don'ts. Look at, look at all this. Look at all these don'ts. Let me just tell you something. Really, there was only one don't. Do not eat of this tree. There was a choice that had to be made. God will never force anyone into Christianity. God made that offer. But you don't know if you have a right relationship unless it the wills. Look at this, all these don'ts. Kick aside all these restraints. Who's God to tell you what you can and cannot do? That's 
That's it. That's Satan's offer. Get out from under the authority. Get away from all the rules. Anything that restricts or restrains you. And that bill of goods that appeals to the flesh has been dominating society for centuries. But that rebellion, and by that rebellion, I will tell you, man has by and large rejected God. Man has by and large exalted himself. And the exaltation of the human being, even over God, its verbiage sounds something like this. You are your own person, and no one has the right to impose any rule, any restraint on you. Nobody has the right to withhold from you, for you are all that matters. You are all that matters. You deserve so much more. You have the right to do what you will. And I will, and I will, and I will rules the hour today. And it's even in Christian circles because we want to live with I will and me in front of everything. Can I tell you that God has to be first? And one of the reasons that I believe Christianity has suffered is we've got on the throne and God is not in first place. Pastor, what how you mean that? We don't put ourselves out much for God. We let our schedules and our business and do all that take a priority over anything. Whew, I lost every friend in the house and online. This lifestyle is conceived, and today it's here. Anything goes. And I want to tell you, every generation has known and tried this offer. But I'm going to declare to you, our generation has tried this offer and its lifestyle. And I want to declare to you that Satan has not delivered. Everything Satan has offered to make us happy and to fulfill us has not made us happy. The truth is, Satan has not produced and millions are reaching and grasping and groping, and their cry is, is there anything more? Is there something else I can try? Because I was offered this, and I tried it, and I'm empty, and I'm a hollow shell. I've tried this, and it has its harvest. I've tried this. Is there anything else? And the truth is, there's a frantic search, and left us a miserable, miserable creation. Deep inside, millions are lonely. And deep inside, the thought dominates them. Where and what is there to live for? And ladies and gentlemen, suicide is in the ascendancy. Souls are hungry. There is a great vacuum. And into this vacuum and void comes all the Eastern religions. Demonology, witchcraft, Satanism, shamanism, homosexuality, lesbianism, the occult, new age, and all these man-made religions, and these are enslaving the lives of millions as I speak. I just want to share with you, Satan is in the time of a harvest, and he knows his time is short, and he's thrown the sickle to reap the harvest of souls. Well, pastor, what's going to happen? I will tell you this, Satan has declared, I'm taking over. Satan has declared war on Jesus. He's declared war on the family. He's declared war on the church. And if you don't know it yet, he's declared war on you if you're a believer. And today a stage is set for the showdown. 
And you say, Pastor, we know all this, but there's a lot of folk online that doesn't. And I want to share with you, before the, this all ends, I want to be able to warn you and tell you the truth at no matter what the expense because I'm duty bound. Basically, three things are going to happen. Here's the first one. There will be a breakdown of law. Jesus said lawlessness will rule the last day. God said that would happen. Today, it's like this. Who says I can't murder and get by with it? Who says I can't have sex outside of marriage without anybody having a problem with it? Who says I can't watch pornography? Who has a right to put any leash on me? Who says I can't steal? Who says I can't do what I want? I have my rights. I want to do my own thing. And the laws of the land have become a joke. Let's say it, it's time, isn't it? No punishment is feared. No retribution. Because humanistic law and self-will has taken over. Young men, young women, ladies and gentlemen, hear me today. When you remove from society the requirements of a holy law that God gave to regulate a human society and human behavior. It's called civil law. When you remove all that, then moral restraints and even common courtesy and decency in how we relate to each other fall totally apart. You remove them and we open the bottomless pit of depravity. He said, Pastor, I came here. I wanted to hear good news. Give me a few minutes. <laughs> Two previous civilizations have done exactly what I've described. And we know the result. Listen to the words of Christ. As it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be at the time of the coming of the Son of Man. I just want to tell you something. Read your book. It's happening the third time, just like Jesus said it would. The breakdown of law. It is absolutely pathetic that when somebody breaks our law, they don't pay the penalty. And I don't care who you are and what your status is. I don't care what the color of skin is. I don't care anything about that standing. Nobody, including the, the president, all the way down to the, to the we, no counts we may think, I want to tell you, nobody should be above the law. Nobody. No one. You take that from society and we're in trouble. Two previous generations have shown us the results. Sec the law will break down. Secondly, the world will be easily unified. The push for commonness, the push of the political world to a common bond among the nations. If you knew some of the things that are going on, ladies and gentlemen, in this world, to try to make this world one common, and to be honest with you, national and global takeover, it would, it would amaze you. There's that push, and it's so innocent sounding. We're headed, and the whole, whole idea is a one world government. 
And it may sound innocent, but it's far already on the way. The metric system, even the centigrade degrees, computerization, implanting of chips and animals and human beings, global positioning systems, Big Brother knows everything we do. Digital currency is coming in a maddening pace. That is all, ladies and gentlemen, of a campaign toward a one world order for an antichrist who is soon to take over the government of this planet. Lawlessness, commonness. Thirdly and lastly, God's patience with man's rebellion will be exhausted. Listen to me, it's this simple. Those of you who rail against God, be careful, but listen to it, simplistic. God so loved that he gave and men rejected. And soon can I tell you, the plan of the ages is gonna come to a completion. I know I've been very, very large covering without details today, but I'm trying to reach the concept in this nation. There's coming a day God will say, the fullness of time has come. And I want you to know that stirs the deepest part of me. Because there will be no more murder. There will be no child molestation and beating. There will be no wife beating. There will be no criminal. There will be no theft. There will be no... Uh, it's, it's finally going to come when Jesus himself will pull it in a theocracy and he's going to show us what the world and its people could have been if we'd have just followed him. That's coming. It's called the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. The archangel will come and announce, behold, let me tell you how I think it's going to happen. The scripture says that he'll sound the trump. And I believe only the twice-born men and women will hear it. I don't think the world will hear it because they hadn't heard the voice of God all this time. I think the voice will be, my sheep know my voice. I think they'll hear the trump. And I'm planning on whether I'm riding a motorcycle. I don't even ride motorcycles. <laughs> whether I'm digging post holes. And I have a good experience with that. Or whether I'm preaching. If I'm slumbering. If I'm visiting in a restaurant. I'm going to hear that trump. And then I'm going to hear the archangel announce. Behold, the bridegroom comes. And then I'm going to hear a command. Go out to meet him. And the scripture says in the moment of twinkling of an eye, and that's stepping through the tulips pretty quick. In the moment of twinkling of an eye, those, my dad and my grandparents and all my people that are in that grave, their bodies that are, in, that are corrupted will put on incorruption. And we which are mortal shall put on immortality. We shall be changed that quick. And we shall be caught up together with the Lord to meet them in the air. And we are out of here. <laughs> And that's why you say, Pastor, why are you not down? Why do you preach this guy? Because my future is absolute and I know what it is. <laughs> He's going to get the redeemed out. Pastor, what's going to be the outcome on the planet Earth? Who's going to rule? Who's going to win? Listen to me. That question I want to answer, who's going to rule? Who's going to win? I want to announce to you that that decision was settled long, 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 long ago. 
I'm going to read it to you. This is Luke 2, 10. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, this is how it's going to end. Listen, I bring good tidings of great joy, which to be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, who's going to rule. Verse 30, here's the outcome. Listen to it. Listen as the old prophet talks about it. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Pastor, why would you bring Christmas? Because he started his rule that day. Satan's challenging it, but I'm going to tell you something. He who began this work is going to finish it. So to end, let me say this. For a time, it's going to seem as if Satan has the upper hand. Have you not looked around the last few days and say, Lord, what's going on? Why, how, why can't we do something? Why can't we? I think we all do. It just shows you the absolute frailty. And, and can I say the the efforts, but absolutely limited power of humanity. It's going to seem like Satan has the upper hand. I will tell you that soon the trumpet's going to sound. When the church is gone, here's what's going to happen. The very next few days, the first three and a half years after the church is gone, the church will be taken, and Satan for three and a half years will have his day. For three and a half years, he will have his day. And that's where you're going to take the mark of the beast and all these things that you know, the number 666 with the number of Satan. I want to just say again, you're not going to take that accidentally because you're going to will that. Now, it can be pressured and God help us. I do not want us here. That's why I'm preaching like this this morning. Do not be here when that trump sounds be gone. For three and a half years, he's going to rule it and run it. But then in the middle of it, he's going to push too far. Aren't you glad God's going to put a line on him? Aren't you glad there's a God who can handle him? He's going to put his image. Read about it in Ezekiel, Daniel. It's called the abomination of desolation. The, the Antichrist is going to put his image. I think it'll be on the internet. I think it'll be in the city. He's going to put his image on the temple, and he's going to require that Israel say he is God. And Israel, after all this time, who would not receive the Christ... This, this was the nation that God said, I want you to be my example, and they haven't made very good example. Thank God for Messianic Jews. I thank God for every one of them. I, my heart pities for those who haven't, but at the three and a half years, when they see that, they're going to realize this isn't God. They're going to realize this is the Antichrist. Chaos will rule the earth. Read in Scripture. Israel's going to take a flight. They're going to run out of that nation. I think they're headed... I think they're headed to Petra, just my concept. But listen, for those who have been born of the Spirit of God and those who have been born a second time, how many of you know a second birth? For those who have, have marched this world to a cadence 
of a different world. Ladies and gentlemen, here's what we're going to happen. I said it while ago at that Trump. We're going to return with that baby. That baby who came. That baby who came has become our prophet. He has become our priest. He has become our king. He has paid the price to be our savior. And we are the bride and he'll be the groom. He is our redeemer and thank God. This is why all other prophets, let them be liars, but this one be truth. He has become our resurrection. And listen to this. Pastor, what are you talking about? Revelation 20 and just 10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone and he will be there forever. That's who's gonna win. This God of ours. God's gonna win. Jesus is gonna rule. He will settle it all. I wanna tell you something. It's madness today not to be in relationship with God. It's madness. Now, I will just tell you this. I came this morning to say it's just around the corner. It's just around the corner. So skeptic, if I'm speaking to you online in this service, those of you say, oh, I don't believe all that. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It's true. It doesn't change the fact. But the point is, if you don't believe it, you're rejecting God. God's offer. Listen, skeptic, don't be deceived by new age philosophies. Young people don't buy into all this, this new concept of you're the king of the center of the world. You're loved by God, but selfishness and rebellion is of the devil. Don't be a skeptic. Don't be a doubter and be deceived by man's religions and they are everywhere. Don't be deceived by rejecting God's word and say it's a book, let's get it rid of it, it's archaic. I wanna tell you something, there is not anything written that's more up to date than this book right here. Don't follow anybody who claims to be God. Don't you follow anybody who claims to be a prophet that you do not know is not anointed and called by God. For false teachers shall abound in the last day and they are here. Don't follow any longer. Don't put off any longer your surrender to Christ. Backslider, disobedient, if you're a prodigal, come home. Come home. Come home to our compassionate Christ, to our Heavenly Father who has His arms open for you today. And for saints, why are we here? I'll tell you why, it's harvest time. I'll tell you why, it's our witness time. And while we're told to be bold in our witness, let me just try to help us. We're not ever gonna win anybody by argument. We're not gonna win anybody by trying to outwit them. That's not our calling. Our calling is to tell them what God's done for us. Our calling is to be gentle and kind our calling is to be people with understanding. Our calling is to love them enough with such a passion. Ladies and gentlemen, we will reach to their souls. And when the trump sounds, we're gonna have a reunion. That's not a 
day too long from now. I want to know in this room, are you ready?